Hello, and welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. I am Zachary Oliver, the proprietor and owner of Theology Gaming, and we're going to record another podcast. Unfortunately, recurring guest Joe could not be with us. He has extenuating circumstances, of which I'm not sure whether I'm allowed to reveal, but you can imagine for yourself whatever you want. Coming with me today is our previous guest, Ted Loring. He has returned. Hello, Ted. Hey, Wildman Ted here. Glad to be here again. And today we have two other special guests. First, we have um, frequent contributor, maybe, <laughs> and frequent game church writer, M. Joshua Collar. Hello. How are you doing, Josh? I am. I am victorious once again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and lastly, we have from Singapore, it's Yen Wong. How are you doing? Good morning to you, gentlemen. I wish you a happy Chinese New Year. It is the year of the snake. <laughs> is that good Ooh. or bad? I don't know. <laughs> oh, is it's... it a solid snake? <laughs> I do not know. It's a snake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, dive right in this, because if we don't, we're definitely going to go on way too long. So... <laughs> First, we're going to do our What Are We Playing segment, but thanks to a contribution by Ted, we're also going to be talking about what we are praying, and hopefully it's not going to be the self-righteous, sanctimonious type. <laughs> oh, All right. I, so, I got to rewrite mine now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Since you came up with the idea, Ted, I think you should go first. All right. What am I playing? I had a busy uh, series of days since I was last on this podcast. Some of the games I have played have been Paper Mario's Ticker Star on the 3DS. Ooh, I have also... Yeah, do I... Uh, yeah, I guess I should talk a little bit about it. I yeah, like it. Do. I do. I'm, I'm very curious about that one. Paper Mario has always been like... Since the original Paper Mario for N64, I've been very much into that. And Paper Mario 2 is kind of my favorite RPG of that generation. The is that the Thousand-Year Door? Yeah. I yeah. like that one. Yeah, yeah uh, it is great. I really enjoy it. It's been hard to stop playing it, honestly. And it has a nice curve uh, for learning how to play it. And it's challenging as well. So it's uh, it's all of those things. Yeah, the challenge was actually, I remember the challenge being pretty good for all of them. Um, at least, especially the originals. They were all pretty pretty tough. Yeah, it has, Sorry, I'm, I'm cutting you off. They're, they're meant to be kind of following the trajectory of Super Mario RPG for the Super Nintendo, so. It's very much along that line. You know, it's that fun, light-hearted writing style, too, that's enjoyable. Yeah. The uh, next game I was playing this week has been Resistance Falling Skies on my Vita. Man, do you own, like, every system? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a collector. That's the way I like to call yeah, it. Yeah, like the Coco 2, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The old uh, Radio Shack Color Computer 2, which was the last on my list there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I really do enjoy uh, finding and collecting systems. I stumbled across a deal to get the Vita, and I'm really impressed with it. And one of the amazing things about it, honestly, is the battery life. Huh. You, you put it into pause mode, and you can come back to it four days later, and it's still almost at a full charge. Oh, Whereas wow. my 3DS, it's it's done in a day and a half. You know, even if you just have it closed. So Sony's doing something right in that regard. I'm going to give them points since people criticize Sony for a lot of things. I've held a Vita for exactly five minutes in a bar in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> I guess 
uh, it's interesting. I have a PSP, but I've modified it beyond all repair, so <laughs> I don't know what it feels like anymore. But I I'm wasn't impressed with the PSP. Here's the thing that makes the difference on the Vita: dual analog joysticks. Ah, yes. The part it that I really crossplay. The fact that you can like take certain uh, downloadable titles off of the the PS3 and take them with you wherever you go, like Re uh, Retro City Rampage. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I've done that one. Of them. I'm sorry, I can't remember the other one that I that I've done that with, but uh, I have done that. Uh, plus, there's oh, you know because I'm part of the uh, PSN Plus, I get all kinds of uh, oh. downloadable games as well. So. Yeah. Because I'm a Plus member, too, I got, like, a ton of Vita games that I would love to play, like Gravity Rush and stuff like that. But you have to pay the $250 for the system, so that's sort of sort of blocking you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't pay that. That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. I was tempted to buy a Vita myself. I don't have the time to play it, but, you know, Sony is going under, so I feel kind of bad. And I want to, you know, help keep Sony afloat by doing my part and buy a Vita. That's nice. Are they going under? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Not the not the not the video game part, not the PlayStation brand, but their electronic side is doing really bad. Oh, okay. yeah. The Vita has not been a very successful system, which is a shame because it's actually a really pretty good system, I think. It just doesn't seem to have a whole lot of like ideal. This is the perfect game that you have to buy the system for, like certain PDS mm. are. And smartphone mm. market, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's killing the uh, a lot of the handhelds. And Sony pulled a, a, a kind of a retro kind of try to fix the problem, uh, or at least it looks that way, by having PlayStation Mobile, which is specifically for Sony-enabled devices um, that has a few key titles like uh, Super Crate Box um, and a couple of others. <laughs> which... <laughs> Super Crate Box! That sounds like uh, our title of our game from last week with all the double <laughs> meanings. Yeah, I, I got a Sony phone hoping to play PlayStation Mobile. It doesn't work in Singapore. That's a kind of bummer. That is a bummer. Oh, that's unfortunate. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, so we're talking uh, about this the the game Resistance. Uh, what what is the actual game like? Like, well, I come to it with no previous Resistance experience, okay. and it, it any... came with the game. I bought the game system. And it came with uh, that game and the uh, Uncharted game and Mortal oh. Kombat and several others. Uh, I got it all for about 150 bucks, so I was oh, pretty happy with that. Did you do that? Huh. Yeah. Black, Black market? No, a, a buddy. So. <laughs> <laughs> the buddy market. <laughs> a buddy somewhere. <laughs> cool, cool. Did you have to recite a password to get it? <laughs> <laughs> and the secret handshake. Yeah, because I'm I'm all for the secret handshake. I'll, I'll get a Vita for 150 bucks in a couple games. Yeah, I bet you would. <laughs> or perhaps a barter. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, last week I mentioned how much I loved playing uh, AC3, Assassin's Creed 3, on my Wii U. Yes, another system. I'm sorry. You said that you like playing it mobile too, like without the TV. Yep. Well, now I'm doing a complete about face. I am absolutely hating it on it. I'm stuck at a part. Um, ah, see, I was correct. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, part of it, I think, is the controller. It's just uh, really hard to control. And I wish I was playing it on my Xbox 360. Yeah. I mean, that's the weird thing about just the location of the buttons in relation to the sticks when I saw the controller. Exactly. It just doesn't look right. It seems like it would actually be okay. I think it's just that 
the games are not designed for the controller that much. Yeah, when you hold a uh, Xbox 360 controller, that right analog joystick for me is right at my palm, kind of the palm of my thumb area, and so yeah. it's just it just fits perfect with everything. You just use it almost as part of your hand, and with the Wii U controller, you have to stop pushing the buttons and go up there and use it and then come back down to the buttons. Ah. So it, it doesn't flow as well. Hmm. And you have your muscle memory. I mean, like you have several hundred hours probably with your 360 controller and compare that to something new and your muscles just aren't used to that different orientation. I know. And you haven't even considered all the potential carpal tunnel injuries that I'm oh, facing. Yeah. Mm. Jeez. yeah. All right. Now I'm going to go back to the PS2. A friend of mine recommended that I oh, try really? Devil May Cry. <laughs> Yes, his name well, actually, is Zachary. Can, can you give me one more thing about Assassin's Creed 3, which is, what part are you stuck on? Okay, remember I said I was I was rescuing the village? After I've rescued the village yeah. for the second time, the warriors are climbing this hill, and I've got to stop all those warriors, there's like 10 of them, before they get to the top where they're going to be massacred. And I've tried everything I can think of. And I and of course that controller, I'm running up trees and then sliding down and then and or I'm meant to to sort of stealth a guy, you know, and knock him out. And I end up like running in front of him and then he sees me and then he alerts everybody. Oh yeah. Oh, I hate it. And there... all I want to do on that game is just run around a town somewhere and just do little things. No, the sequences just get worse and worse as you go on. It's oh. it really is like that. <laughs> So you gave it one star in your review, and I my stars star. are dropping. <laughs> <laughs> Falling stars. All right, continue with Devil May Cry. <laughs> All right, Devil May Cry. On the PlayStation 2, I've done about five missions. You're not going to believe this. I like this game. Oh, yes. It is fun. It looks really good. Yeah, still, right? And so far, I haven't reached an enemy or a boss that isn't too frustratingly hard for me. Hmm. So I, uh, I think the last thing I fought was some kind of Dark Knight kind of, uh, of a foe. Uh, and, what's it? Nero Angelo? Something like that? It could be. I yeah. don't know. It's it like was a something with a lion. It's like a duel between you and this other guy. Something. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> And I was literally down to like the last little bit of life. And then I, you know, I got that last hit in and it's so gratifying <laughs> when that happens, you know. Ah, can you feel the challenge? <laughs> I, you know, I'm turning into you. <laughs> yeah, I'm having, I have the same problem, Ted. Oh yeah? Same problem. I, I, I'm realizing this as I, as I play games nowadays, like I, Zach's just getting in my head. <laughs> I just but we're it. getting into his head because I read his recent review of Kirby's Dreamland. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, I like Kirby's Dreamland though. Yeah, I heard you use the description of playing that game. It sort of gave a a feeling of joy. Yeah, I like Kirby. <laughs> yeah. Who was that talking? Is that Zachary? We know. <laughs> no, I just wait, 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 Ted, Ted. There's a problem though because joy is in the Bible not exactly an emotion. So maybe Zach isn't getting emotional. Maybe it's him just getting more spiritual. Yes, it could be that. And <laughs> it's going to be forgotten soon. It, it might be the joy of the Lord. <laughs> oh, maybe. Kirby. Yeah, yeah, the joy of the Kirby. 
And then uh, my last little bit, there's uh, uh, the Tandy color computer too. I'm getting ready to put it away and put it in the box, but I, I just, I bought it and I came with about 10 cartridges and I've been going through the games, been writing about them on my blog. Uh, I played a game called Canyon Climber, a game called Temple of Rom, but my favorite so far has been Demon Attack by iMagic or Imagic. There's there's this problem where the best games are the ones that have demon in the title. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm attacking them. Oh, that's good. That's good. It's not like demon hugs or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Or Satan's playground or something. Yeah. Well, demons you're fighting demons too, but you're you're sucking down their souls so that you can use their powers. Right. So this is slightly better, I'm sure. <laughs> well, you're just shooting. They look like birds. <laughs> uh, and in the what I'm praying category, I do have some uh, guys in a, in a men's group that we meet on Friday mornings, and uh, just several of them are are out of work and in need of jobs. So this is a time of some hard economics still. So uh, just uh, that's one thing that I've been praying for. And also I have a friend uh, that just found out today that his son, who he's been getting tested and taken to doctor after doctor, they found that he has a, a genetic condition, which, which explains um, he's just not developing as fast as as I, you know, typical children do. So he's just he's going to have some challenges probably. It's almost they think it's like almost like a type of autism. Okay. How old is he? Uh, he's under two. Okay. About a year and a half, I think. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's what I'm praying for. That's it for me. All right. Awesome. Uh, Mr. Caller, would you like to go next? I'm going to defer. I'm going to (laughs) pass and uh, come back around to me. Um, I want to hear what Yen's playing. All right. Let us hear what Yen is playing. Yeah, I'm I'm not playing much. Uh, Work's been kind of busy, but yesterday it was Chinese New Year and stuff. I used that time to finish up the Mass Effect trilogy. I finally completed that. Oh, cool. Wow. Um, yeah, original ending. I thought the original ending was fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did, did you have all the? Uh, did you have the update so that like plays the final the final ending or did no, you? No, no, no. I I didn't download anything because I wanted to play the original ending to see it for myself. Okay. And you were yeah, satisfied I, with it. I, I was. I thought it was okay. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I had the original ending when I played it too, and I was like, uh, okay. I'm. It was like this weird like feeling of like I'm done. Finally, like, I, yeah. Like, and I, I almost didn't want it to be done. Like, I was like, I, I kind of wanted to, to still spend time with the people and see like how Shepard's effects really impacted everybody. Like, I love RPGs where once you finish and beat the final boss, you can walk around and spend time with everybody and enjoy the party. And yeah, I, Mass Effect just kind of does the exact opposite of that. And I think that's why people yeah. didn't like it as much because it didn't. <laughs> give you a clear like here's a farewell and here's here's all you know i don't know yeah, that's how i feel in jrpgs right when you finish them you always get that moment where oh i see all the people i travel with and it's great and we all live happily ever after but i'm guessing that's not what happens in mass effect oh you don't know the end i know the end but so are, we, are we gonna confusing. spoil it or not uh we... well, we're not gonna spoil i'm not gonna spoil the whole thing i just want to kind of say like there's three different kinds of directions you can take so this is this is kind of a spoiler but i'm not gonna spoil it for everybody the main the main point is you can choose um whether you're going to die in way a b or c basically um (laughs) you'll always die 
which is great. Yeah, there is, uh, according to the flow chart, which tells you all the, all the possible Mass Effect endings, um, there is one possible way, like if you play the game perfectly, played plenty of multiplayer, so you got your war, uh, your war effort really, really high, um, there's this one small chance that you can see, like, Shepard's hand reach out from under rubble at the end of it. Um, but besides that, you're, it's pretty much you choose this way to die, that way to die, or the other. Um, and it does have an, an effect that just tackles everything in the entire entire uh, galaxy, which is kind of we- a weird way to go out because it leaves it kind of like chops off the way f- the ability for the series to continue. And there there's discussions right now about Mass Effect being continued. Um, yeah, I think they're working on a prequel. Yeah, a, a prequel is the uh. only thing that makes sense. Because you can't just continue it from where it is. <laughs> no, Jan's no. Like too excited about that. Uh, prequels, <laughs> no, no. You know, anyway, when I play this, finally, <laughs> I'll get around to it. Uh, are no you prequels. really? Because you you have said that you're kind of anti Bioware style games. Uh, I'm anti modern Bioware games. Oh, so you like like Baldur's Gate and stuff that like. stuff is really good, and it feels like they spent a lot of time on that. This not so much. Mm. Hmm. I've only played uh, some of the first, and it got hard, so I went to something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is an old game through and through. I had to face the matriarch, and she sent her assassins after me. I'm like, dead, 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 dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry to subvert your, your discussion on the game, Yen. Go ahead and uh, tell us more about what your experience was like with it. Um, I'm... Yeah, I thought I thought it was okay. Um, I, of course, I heard lots of stuff about about the ending. Yeah, I heard some yeah. criticisms here and there, but I, in general, I enjoyed the game. I I thought Bioware wrote it quite well. Yeah. Uh, what I really didn't like was the romance parts. I thought that wasn't that was a bit uh, not representative. Uh, yeah, when you can yeah. just like call up members of your squad up into your bedroom, like it's it's just. <laughs> I was like, okay, I know where this is going, and I'm just gonna cut it off right here. <laughs> are we gonna yeah, use euphemisms, it... or are we gonna say what actually happens? <laughs> yeah, I, it, I, it has no scenes of amor. <laughs> there are amorous scenes in this game. Is that the right way to say it? No, no. Honestly, I mean, like the, the worst that it gets. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sad to say that I know all in in, in great detail exactly how far it goes, but it, it's it's no worse than like. A PG thirteen. It's but it is implicative of like, you know, like whatever shepherd you are can basically have a romantic relationship with any member of the squad, whether they're the opposite sex Male or female. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, it's okay. Kind of a strange, like, and yeah. the and the handling of it, like, I mean, the, the the simple fact that you're a superior officer sleeping with your team, like, like yeah, yeah. And while while saving the world. Yeah, while saving the world, and the only time that it can happen is right before your final mission. <laughs> like, that's the only possible outcome, and, and you have to work on the relationship the whole way through the game. And it's all basically just like, do I talk to them now? Yes. <laughs> and, and I don't know, it's just very simple and very elementary and doesn't yeah, actually it, indicate it what a It kind of plays is. like, uh, uh, you know, the Japanese dating sims? Ah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's kind of like that, and it feels odd because, you know, Mass Effect is this, you know, science fiction epic story, and then in the middle of it, there's a Japanese dating sim. So, yeah. <laughs> like hey, Persona Yon. three or four, right? 
I have a question, Jan. Uh, I've heard that as the Mass Effects have gone from one, two, and three, that it's become more and more of a third-person shooter than maybe what I've experienced playing Mass Effect One. One. Um, well, yeah, I think I think um, once you hit two, the controls are uh, a bit tighter. The uh-huh. combat controls. Yeah, but I enjoyed playing one. I thought one was okay. One is my favorite by far. Well, I like walking around and talking to people. There's lots of that to do. Yeah, one does the best simply because it introduces you to the universe and and there's so much world building and you meet all the aliens on the on the citadel and you get just get like I I had fun just investigating all these crazy weird aliens all over the place and hearing what makes them what makes them tick why are why are there only female Asari you know mm-hmm. the, the blue girls like why yeah. are yeah but my, my my upcoming post on theology game is going to talk about that a little. About oh, awesome. how, yeah, where, where you create a science fiction universe, you have all this opportunity to create new cultures, new races, new background histories that can be really cool. Yeah. And there's something very riveting about that. Uh, and that's why we are so into science fiction universes. Yeah, but back onto the FPS side, um, from Mass Effect 2 and 3 onwards, you actually start reloading your guns. In Mass Effect 1, you don't. I forgot. They, they, yeah, in Mass Effect 1, you, they overheat and you cool down, then you can have unlimited bullets. Yeah. So, and oh. there's an Easter egg in uh, Mass Effect Three, where Shepard talks to an NPC and they discuss the pros and cons of, you know, is reloading better or is cooling down better. It's kind <laughs> of a cool Easter egg. Yeah. That is cool. So, what else are you playing? Um, I was just done with Mass Effect yesterday, and then I started playing um, uh, Papo and Yo. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. What is that? Uh, Game Church's love child, I guess. <laughs> I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I know. Since since Josh wrote wrote that that article about you no know, the games <laughs> that Jesus loves to play or stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so I've been I, trying to. I was only a part of a part of that. That wasn't just me. That was everybody oh. in Game Church, pretty much. Except me. I did not. <laughs> yeah, you, you weren't one because you were like, yeah, I only played like two games this year. <laughs> no, I played like all these Japanese games that Game Church would never put on there. Yeah. Because they don't like the Eastern cultures. <laughs> Yeah, it it is it is definitely western centric. Um yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, the the article that I worked on um but yeah, Papo Papo and Yo, I think that I forget who it was who wrote about that one, but um I I, I the only game on on that article that I wrote about was was called The Desolate Hope and I'll talk about that another time. Yeah, yeah. I saw What is what is Tell me about this Papo di Yopo or whatever it's called. Um, I, I don't remember who, who the creator was, but he's not from an English-speaking part of the world, right? It's a Brazilian. Cabo, uh, Brazilian? Cabo, I, forget his, I forget his whole name. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and the setting, setting is like Brazilian slums and stuff like that. You can see it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really interesting Papo ethnic Brazil. setting. Um, yeah. His but name people... is Vander Cabero? Caballero. Caballero. I don't know how to right, pronounce it. Right. My, my game is so I, I, is I the game in Portuguese. Um, yeah, a lot of well, a lot of the 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 title, the name Papo and Yo is actually Portuguese. Papo is uh, slang for father, um, mm. and, and Yo is is me, I. Um, right, right. Uh, so it's, it's my dad and I. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so the game is a puzzle platformer. Um, but the greater theme behind it is explores the issues between the protagonist and his father. 
Oh, I heard about this. Yeah. His father's portrayed as a, a monster who helps you solve the puzzles. But if the moment he, he eats frogs, he turns into an angry, scary monster. So it, it depicts the, the, author, the, the game designer's relationship with his alcoholic father. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so some deep stuff there. Mm. Um, I'm just, I only played an hour or so into it. I thought the puzzles were okay. Yeah, I, I, I played it too, and I never actually finished it. I only got about halfway. Um, it's, it, it's a very interesting, interesting subject and interesting game. But the the seriousness of it kind of like is like jarring at points. Just the whole sim, symbolic and literal actions of a giant rage monster beating a child. Mm. Mm. It's a weird contrast. Yeah, yeah. You know, but video the, games aren't what they used to be when I was a kid. No. <laughs> no. The irony is that there's this also this strange whimsy and like this slight like um, relationship between the kid and his desire to gain power and see the shaman uh and and he gets like these weird magical powers in the midst of everything and uh the the magical powers and stuff like that all have this like chalk drawn artwork that have that has a lot of like fun and and creativity to it like if you pick up if you pick up like a box there's boxes and you pick up a box and it moves a building out in the distance and the whole world is this surrealistic fantasy expression of the, the the slums of, of Sao Paulo, Brazil, mm. and yeah. uh, it's like you don't you can't it's it's definitely an overtly expression. The whole game pretty much takes place in the kid's imagination, so yeah. you don't know exactly like what's the literal connection. So the gameplay is definitely in the same genre as like Portal or something along those lines, but it's in third person. Yeah. I, I was playing it and I was thinking, this is a lot like uh, Miyazaki stuff. Yeah, that's the mm. first thing that came to my head. That's a very good point. <laughs> you know, traumatic childhood experience, that kind of thing. Yeah. Although I don't think that Miyazaki's ever had like... No, he has not. alcoholic rage monster father. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit heavy-handed in that sense. Well, I, I'm just starting out, but but we'll see. Yeah, I'm really curious as to as to what, what it's like for you to play it. Yeah, I'll write about it once I'm done. All right. Look forward to that. Cool. Very cool. Right. Is there anything else you've been playing or um I took some time off on Mass Effect to play Journey. Uh oh, yes. other than that, oh. Yeah. We'll get there definitely. Well we we need to delay the journey discussion. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, oh, Jan, Jan, what are you praying? Oh, yeah, the praying. Um, uh, you know, I, have, I had this discussion with, um, with one of my friends recently who was, who was reading my stuff, and he, he says that, you know, when we write about Christianity and video games, the central question we need to answer is, why should a Christian play video games at all? Uh, and I thought that that, that isn't a, a, a question we answer very well. I mean... Sure, it's video games is not sin. Sure, we can play video games to the glory of God, and that's one something I believe very strongly in. Mm-hmm. But um, no, why should no? Let's have some free time. So why should I play video games instead of, you know, go spend time with a friend or go do a Bible study? Why? Sh- what's positive about video games? And I think that's an interesting question, and that's an important question to answer. Um, and yeah, I'd like to spend some more time thinking about this issue and, and writing about it. 
Yeah, that's one of the things that comes up in in the book that I was talking about before we started recording the podcast of Games and God. Um, mm-hmm. He very much talks about like it, it's it's met, the the whole book is a, is a Christian commentary on the video game industry at large, um, right? And, and Christian specifically engaging with them, and he talks at length about you know the subject of, of game addiction. Should Christians be playing games? How does that compare to watching television? You know, considering that the average person watches like thirty hours of television. A week, according to like American surveys and stuff like that, compared to the average gamer playing like 15 hours a week. Um, right. So it, 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 he talks about a lot of things. Um, he he really covers both sides of the discussion. Um, but I'm glad that you brought that that exact point up because that's a really good one and one that comes up a lot with me and my wife. Ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll I don't want to delve if, too far. If video games is taking away time from your wife, you are not in good shape, yo. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> well, I mean, there's that side of it, but there's also the subject of... Um... Are you confessing? <laughs> well, well, I say that for me personally, it's a lot more, a little bit more complicated than that, because I typically, whenever my wife is around, she, she, I only, I usually only play games when she's not home. So, yeah. so it's not actually, like, it's usually a, a set time when she's going to be away that I'm playing. Um, so I don't actually play large volumes of time for games. And that's why I play a lot of shorter games lately, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, like, when I played Mass Effect 3, that was, like, one of those... It was, like, Mass Effect 3 and Skyrim, and there wasn't much in between there. Like, those were the the big, serious games that I played. And, and after that, I really dove into indie games and started playing, like, probably about 30 to 50 times more games just by sheer volume, not because I was actually playing games more, but just because that time got split up over other things instead of these huge long form games. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm starting to see the appeal of shorter indie games too. Like Mass yeah. Effect trilogy was really long. Yeah, it really was. I mean, that's over... our commitment for the whole thing. Yeah. I think that's where handhelds can be so good too, where you can get some pretty good game experience, but it's easy enough nowadays for them to. Just be, you know, you close the lid or you hit the uh, off button and they pick up right where they left off. Unless you're playing a portable version of Persona. Oh, yeah. God. (laughs) I have P3P. (laughs) All right, we're moving on to someone else. That would be me. Ah. All right. So I've been playing an obscure (laughs) six-year-old JRPG for the 360 called Enchanted Arms. Um, <laughs> I picked it up for about $5, so, you know, whatever. I love that. Yeah. So, you know, because GameStop is trying to shovel out all these games they don't want, so I yeah. figure I'll pick them up and play them because I never got to. So this one is from um, from Software. From Software being the people that make Demon's Souls and um, yeah. other quirky style titles before that. Before they were popular, this was made. So it's yeah. uh, it's just a pretty straightforward JRPG with not so much town exploration as lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of combat, huh. <laughs> which is right up my alley. I don't know. Yeah. I was just kind of in the mood. Did, did you find it in the six-year-old JRPG aisle? I would hope there was one, but there wasn't. I had to, <laughs> I had to delve in for about an hour to find stuff. <laughs> but um, it has an interesting combat system, which is grid-based. So 
cool. Yeah. So the front, you know how they usually have like front and back rows in those kind of turn-based strategies. Yeah. So in this before and stuff like that. Yeah. So you have a front row and you have a back row and a middle row. So you'll actually take less damage if somebody's in front of you. And there's all sorts of weird ways in which you could do attacks because they affect certain tiles in the in the field. But as far as everything else goes, it's just really generic and angsty teenager lead. And, you know, you get all that kind of thing. I'm looking at the box right now. He looks like Titus. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Except he has a special arm and it goes off when he's nearby evil forces. And there's all sorts of amnesiac mysteries. So, <laughs> oh, we, that that sounds that sounds weird and new. Tell me all about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I've been playing ten and a half hours now. So, oh well, how long yeah. is it? Do you know how long it is, like total? It says I'm twenty percent in. So, oh. <laughs> uh, and a fifty-hour wow. game sounds like. I would hope not, but apparently that's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I, I dedicated a good chunk of my day today playing it because uh, oh, I was wow. recording the podcast. And, uh, cool. yeah, I, I don't know when I'm going to finish it, but maybe someday. I And also, lots of World of Warcraft also on my part. So that's to be expected. Are you playing though. by yourself or with your family? Uh, both. Okay, cool. Because World of Warcraft now requires you to do daily quests. Daily quest being you need to do this quest that is repeatable every day to get certain rewards. Because World of Warcraft requires you to get reputation with factions to get new gear sometimes. And this is the most efficient way to do it. So you log in, you do quests for about an hour to like an hour and a half, and then you're done for the day, right? Huh. So, you don't, so you don't always have to go into like a raid or a five-man dungeon to get stuff. So there's lots of... World of Warcraft has, has uh, opened up the door to the casual player more so than in the past. So yeah. Daily Quest is more of the new way to get gear. Because an hour and a half of playing does not sound like a light, light round to me. That sounds like... <laughs> well, it's very therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, my mother's doing it. Play by comparison. <laughs> what? Well, I mean, I guess I don't even need, need to ask. I know, I know what serious play of WoW is. It's where you don't go outside ever. <laughs> I am casual, let me tell you. <laughs> if you're dedicating an hour and a half a day to the game, then that's pretty casual <laughs> for yeah. the majority of the audience. Understood. Yeah. Oh, and even compared to other MMOs, I don't even want to talk about the other ones I've played. <laughs> Let's leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, that's pretty much all I played. And I played the Revengeance demo two or three more times. No way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am not kidding you. Oh my goodness. After I played Journey, I was like, ugh, I gotta get the taste out of my mouth. <laughs> I need to play an action game. Oh my god. Help me. Did you, did you get good at parrying? Uh, no, I didn't get any better at it, but... Yeah, I suck terribly at it. Like, I, I feel like if I ever play the game for real, I'd have to go with easy mode, just because... I get destroyed in uh, in the boss battle on normal mode. Yeah, it takes a lot of uh, you need. It's a lot of learned spatial awareness to play those kind of games. Mm. So you you have to be watching. It's more about like just trying new stuff every time you go in. You know, mm. if I die, it's okay because you know it's just gonna reload me beforehand. So I just try to mess around and figure out what else I can do. Yeah. I got a question for you guys. I, I just got the Zone of Enders collection. It comes with the Revengeance demo. Should I even play the Revengeance demo? Um, have you played Zone of the Enders before? 
No, I have not. Not my generation. Okay, so you should play the Revengeance demo once. Yeah. Right. And if you are good at action games, I would play it on normal because you'll enjoy it. But if you don't, I would play it on easy because definitely play it on easy. Like just start it on easy. Like I, no, I, 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 I completed Bayonetta on normal. So does that make me an action player? Because um, normal requires you to actually know what you're doing, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, actually, there's a video on Substance TV. I should link this whenever this podcast gets posted up. But uh, there, my friend Brian, he goes through all the mechanics in the game and how to do parries. Because the tutorial does not teach you how to play, as I've noted before. <laughs> cool. Oh, yeah, you haven't... It's definitely worth. It's definitely worth trying. Like, I, I'm, I mean, for a demo, if you have it, it's definitely worth trying. All right. All right, and I'm supposed to talk about praying or something? Is that yeah, the... you don't have to unless <laughs> you know we were the spiritual ones. You don't have to be spiritual like <laughs> us. I'm just the guy who has a theology degree, right? Um, <laughs> uh, well, I was. I'm praying for Joe because, you know, his mm -hmm. extenuating circumstances, none too fun. I've had that experience before, and I don't like it. So I've been praying for him a whole lot. And, uh, you know, I kind of have to pray every day to get this theology thing out and running. <laughs> yeah. And to record this podcast and figure out how all this stuff works. So <laughs> <laughs> that's mostly been how I've been spending my time. And I've been playing less video games than I ever have in my life <laughs> because I've been doing all of this instead. You have really been doing a lot of organization. Uh, it's it's impressive, and I, I appreciate it. Yeah, me too. I mean, like, I really appreciate just the the fact that you're aggregating all these different people who love Jesus and love games and are willing to just be involved and discuss it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know such a community existed until apparently I formed it. <laughs> Yeah, we should just have a Appreciate Zachary podcast sometime. <laughs> yeah. Just spawn over me. I'm, I'm down. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So, let us get to the main topic of discussion today, which is Journey. Can, yeah. I, can I first share maybe a yeah, little? Yeah, we skip Joshua. Yeah, yeah, Joshua, you're the I, expert you're... on this, so. Technically, he deferred. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was just passing. I just want to hear. I just want to hear from the rest of you guys first. Okay. Um. I, I'm going to try to keep it short because I've been playing playing uh, a lot of games lately. Um. Or just finishing a lot actually. I don't. I don't know that I've been playing a super crap ton. The first one I want to talk about, and I, I talked to Yen about this because I, we have to. Um. Is uh, XCOM. Uh, I finished XCOM, and uh, I agree with Yen that the the storyline is is kind of uh, lackluster. Um, but the, 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 the appeal to it is just this emergent story, just the fact that you have this um, ability to tell the story with your characters, um, most notably with the fact that I, I um, unfortunately killed Yen. Yes, you did. <laughs> oh. That was very sad. <laughs> and um, I was only a squaddy. I'm like, well, that was yeah. not a great way to die. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just to be fair, you had Titan armor and a plasma rifle and alien grenades. So, like... You shouldn't have died. Um, it was it was actually just you had a really crappy commander that day. Um. <laughs> just joking. Please carry on. <laughs> so in, in any case, yeah. Um, I I also had uh, certain other characters um, that I had I had made specifically based on friends 
Uh, Zach, you became one of the most uh, affluent and effective psychic healers of, of the entire game. You can't heal people psychically, um, but you can put up a shield with your mind to keep aliens from attacking. Ah, that doesn't surprise me. No, it, it was... It was... <laughs> It, it was it was very effective, and I I did not actually inte- anticipate using you uh, in the squad the whole way through the game. But um, yeah, you you really put really held the team together. So that that was that was particularly important to me. Um, I also like the, the the fun thing about about XCOM is of course the fact that you can create obviously characters uh, customized based off of your friends and family, and then thrust them into a grueling, dangerous battle where they're probably going to die. <laughs> the description is fantastic. <laughs> um, and I, I was very intent on when I created my wife's character, not putting her in battle. Um, yet, uh, ultimately, in the end, she was one of the the best heavy gunners that I had. <laughs> um, so, if you ever needed, to, you know, someone to punch a giant hole in the side of a of a UFO, she was. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I, I I hope she listens to this. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and and I, I made I made characters based on everybody from my church family. And uh, on Sunday, I got to tell my buddy Chris about how he he was the 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 most special of all of the characters in the game, and ultimately made a a sacrifice for the rest of the team. Spoilers. Um, yeah, I. I, I that's, uh, <laughs> Speaking of which, I appreciated uh, Jan and your writing about it that you gave spoiler alerts. Yeah, but, that's, I probably should do that more. <laughs> I, I I clicked on them anyway, but but they were there. I had the choice, so thank you. Yeah, I had I, know, I know how it ends though. <laughs> I apologize, um, but yeah, so that's that's XCOM. I, I I very very much enjoyed XCOM. It's probably my my favorite my favorite game of last year from a sheer like mechanics um, use it, you know, how do you strategize this playing field and, and be challenged. And um, next I, I do have set up a, an Iron Man uh, classic mode set up. Cause I did play the game on easy. Oh. That's why I was able to keep everyone alive the whole way through the game. Just so I learned all the mechanics and got everything down. But I'm, I, I'm, I'm not naming anybody the second time around cause I'm pretty sure I'm going to be losing guys. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah um did you have anything to add add to that yen yen uh about um, yeah that 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 sounds about right um don't don't name your guys do you just feel sad when they die <laughs> yeah but it adds to the experience right well if you name your friends after characters who die then you have to tell them that they died and 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 I have never seen like I've had a lot of people come in on my blog throughout the years, but I've never seen anybody as sad as as Yen. <laughs> I died. <laughs> yeah, I didn't did just you, die. Did I was you, only one to die. Did you feel like one of those generals in the movies knocking on the door of somebody's house and like having to inform them that I uh, someone? <laughs> I kind of did. I felt like I should have done a better job than you know mentioned it and than mentioning it in passing. <laughs> yeah exactly but he, he died a hero I, like it was like maybe 10 minutes after like half an hour after i posted the blog and he's like i died 
Yeah. So in any case, that that's XCOM. Um, then I'm also I'm also uh, I just recently finished uh, the game Anti Chamber, um, and that's that's probably a game that that is very very diff- like like I wrote about it. I wrote a review for Game Church about it. Um, it's a very hard game to discuss, um, mm-hmm. other than like just taking you through examples of what kind of puzzles what puzzles do to your head as you play through the game. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll instead of spoiling things and how they how they turn out, um, I'll just take a few examples from the experience that I had and to try try to ex- explain the way that it works. So um, the moment that you start the game, you're in this weird hub and you click on a wall where it says click here. You, you go into it and there's a sign that says jump. And uh, I think the game's lying to me already. So um, <laughs> wow, you're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I. I know the game's there to mess with me. Like the whole the whole premise of Anti Chamber is that uh, the tagline of the game is "You're not here," and it has like a picture of a map pointing to a spot on the map, and it's like it it's pretty indicative of the experience. You're walking through, and all of a sudden, you're not where you just thought you were. Um, uh, a, a case in point is uh, there's these uh, visual boxes that are like a like a box with kind of a circle spirograph net inside of it and you look through there and you see a different room um but if you walk close up to it and then back up suddenly you're in the room that you see through the hole and you're not in the room you were just standing in Hmm. so this this happens the whole way through the game and it's constantly it it would be it would be one thing if it was random but the game is actually trying to teach you the whole way through uh very quickly you find these these sign signposts the whole way throughout the game like one says um, the moment that I fell through the, the part where it said jump, of course, I fell down into the pit and there was a little sh- uh, picture of a sheep falling off of a cliff. And it says uh, failure does not always um, failing to succeed does not always mean um, failure to progress. So there's these these cute little encouragements throughout the game so that when you uh, become a, a boiling pot of rage because you don't understand what the heck is going on, um, you don't smash your keyboard and mouse, <laughs> um, which I, I, I admittedly got a little bit close to doing, <laughs> uh, when the, there was a lot of the time you're, you're going in different routes and you're trying to figure out how to progress in different areas of the game. There's no clear direct line from point A to point B. Um, it's very hard to figure out where you're supposed to be going at any given time other than, our general idea of video games, which means we're going forward. We're going somewhere. Um, so if you're in the same room, obviously that's where you're going to get frustrated. <laughs> um, uh, so shortly after you see the sign at the bottom of the pit that you fall into, uh, you walk around the corner, walking around another corner, and there's these two staircases, one that goes down and then one that goes up. And the one on the right, the red, goes up, and the one on the left goes down, and it's blue. I might be getting the, the colors mixed up, but um, I, immediately I'm thinking of the Matrix. You know, do I take the red pill or the blue pill? And uh, so you you take one of those those paths, and uh, you go up, wrap around a corner, and there's the exact same staircases you just went up. Um, okay, so what do you do? You try it again, and same result. All right, try the other staircase. Same result. You could try this on on infinitum um, because the answer to the puzzle is not to go up or down one of the staircases. Um, hmm. 
Yeah, um, I'm not going to tell you what the what the answer is because that's you know it's that's cheating. Yeah, that's a spoiler. I'm I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to re- be reformed from giving this. Um, but hmm. eventually, you get a a tool um, a tool gun of sorts that can pick up um, pick up blocks and uh, shoot them uh, to spaces across the room. Um, sometimes these are useful for stopping doors from coming back down. Sometimes they're useful for putting in holes to to uh, trigger switches. Um, and and that's just the introduction to using the tool gun. But then you get there's a there's a, multiple other upgrades that you get. That's just the blue one that you get. Then you get a uh, a yellow a, a green one next, and then you get a yellow one, and then there's a red one. Um, and uh, each one of them adds a new feature to the to the gun that will pretty much just mess with your head. Um, <laughs> it, I spent I spent uh, about 20, 10, 15 to twenty minutes in a in a room thinking, all right, the only way for me to get out of here is to build a giant staircase the whole way around the room. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get up there, and there's this sign that says uh, that that I realize I had already seen from another place earlier in the game that I just wasted my time building my my way up to. But I was like, oh hey, I can get to the other side of this room now. So I, I went. I go across the chasm, and there's a door. And inside the door, there's uh, a dead end. I can't progress. Why is there a door then? <laughs> um, because it's another puzzle, and I have to have another special tool to be able to get through it. Um, so the, the game kind of does imply that you might not have the tools all that you need all the time, but you're not always completely sure. Um, so that's that's the strange thing is like you it has this um, Zach you you blogged a while back about the the game design choice of flow and how to have this good balance between progress risk reward that sort yeah, of thing yeah. and this it's it's central I mean it, it's central to all of game design um, and and there's a couple points in the game that I was thinking you probably need to rename anti-chamber anti-flow. Like, it's like, <laughs> hey, I got I got through this puzzle. Oh, there's another puzzle. <laughs> it reminds me of like a 3D adventure game, like in the vein of like Monkey Island or something to that effect. Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. like, because yeah, you're, you're sitting there and looking at like a puzzle, right? Yeah. And you're trying to figure it out and you're trying all these different things and you're saying, what does the developer want me to do? Yeah, and, and you don't, and the only difference is, of course, that you can't just, point on and click on everything and hope that you find something that you just didn't see before. Like you can with some adventure games. Yeah. (laughs) Pixel hunting as they call it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, ultimately the, I I realized that the game was, I felt like the game was kind of like blowing raspberries at me. Like, haha, you suck. Um, (laughs) and, uh, but at the same time, like I had to remember that there were those signs all over the place. There's these signs and they're saying things like, um, that are always, encouraging in some way shape or form kind of like um a word of encouragement from from a, a spiritual friend or something um and they're actually like if you go back to them they're actually really really helpful in finally solving the puzzle and getting through to the other side so i i really enjoyed um when i finally pushed through my frustration and finally figured out how to get through things um i was reviewing hmm. the game i was reviewing the game for game church so it it uh, there was I, I felt the the sudden cool factor because I've not really ever gotten the opportunity to review a game before it came out before, 
But this is the worst game to do that sort of thing with because there's no forums, there's no help, there's no guides. <laughs> um, and if you're the first person to do something like this, uh, and, and, and then, of course, there's the uh, the embargo to not blog and write about it before it came out. and So you're stuck when you're stuck. <laughs> well, fortunately, Drew Dixon was also playing the game because he, he, he got he, – uh, he got the opportunity to review the game for Pace Magazine, so we were able to go back and forth, and that was that was ah yes surprisingly helpful. Um, so that's that's Anti Chamber. Um, I when I finally finished the game, um, it was one of the most satisfying, like pure, like non-narrative. There's not really a narrative. There's like a a, a progression and a, an arc and uh, the liberation of knowing that you learn the core mechanics of the game and. Uh, a nice little artful resolve and stuff like that, but there's not uh, like hmm. an ending in the traditional sense. But it was I, I really liked it. This, I, I this sounds like something I could play. Yeah, I think that you would enjoy it. All right, I'm gonna put that in my backlog of thousands <laughs> of games that I'm never gonna play before I die. All right. <laughs> um, and uh, the one other, there's two other games that I, I I'm just gonna touch on real quickly because I haven't finished the Miasmata yet. Uh, Miasmata was recently um, greenlit on on Steam. It was one of the first games to get greenlit, and it's best described as a combination between. Oh, this is a, a cheap reduction of it, but it's a combination of Far Cry 2, Minecraft, and Amnesia. Um, I haven't gotten to the scary parts yet, but the best part about it for me is this fact that you're just this random guy show up on an island, and you have to. Uh, survive and try to find a cure to the mysterious disease that he has. Huh. Far Cry Three, you mean? I'm sorry. Uh, no, actually, 3? Far Cry Two. Um, two. More okay. like that. Because of the disease. Yeah, because you ha- you constantly are trying to offset this uh, this fever that you get. Um, huh. And 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 Far Cry Two, you you are always trying to find uh, medicine. Um, in this game, you're trying to make medicine. Um, you're a guy who is a scientist of some form and he can, uh, go around on the Island, find a flower. And it's one of those games where I've never been this excited to find a flower in a game before. (laughs) Um, excellent. Including the game flower where you see them everywhere. Um, but you, you find these flowers everywhere and, or not everywhere. They're actually really rare to find. Um, but there's flowers and fungus. And if you find these things, you can bring them back to these these the tents, and the tents are actually central because you're really afraid to veer off because you can get lost really easy. And I'll get into why in just a moment. But you take the, these flowers back to these tents, and there's almost always a station for for tracking all the flowers that you have or all the, the plants that you have in a, in a sample tray. Uh, and then you also have a, an examination tray um, to figure out what they actually can do and how they're beneficial. And then you have a synthesis rack. Uh, so you can take two different plants, mix them together, make a drug, um, and uh, offset yeah. your fever and stuff like that. Uh, the other part of the game that is that, that I've found so far that's essential is is mapping, um, cartography. So um, <laughs> Cartography? <laughs> yeah! Um, cartography, the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's dead serious. Like, I ne- like, when you first are introduced to it, it, it seems really weird, really abstract, um, but um, it's based on the idea of Wherever you physically are, if you draw a straight line to landmarks that you know. So imagine um, a landmark that you know, your favorite restaurant, and you're standing there, and then you see another place that you that you know. Uh, I'll use real real game examples. So you see a shack that you've already 
um, explored and found all the things in. Um, and you point to that, holding out your map, and a triangle will appear over over recognizable landmarks. And you draw a straight line there, and then you find another landmark and draw a straight line there. Oh, triangulation. Then, yeah, triangulation. So, and you triangulate your location and build a, a map based on your visual proximity. Um, and that's how you fill in the map. You have to fill it in yourself because the game doesn't aid you at all. Like you have to, I thought I was pretty good with maps until I played this game. You know what this sounds like? This sounds like in, uh, like a modern day version of a dungeon crawler. Hmm. Because in those you would have to have like a first person perspective and you'd be in a dungeon, right? And you can't figure yeah. out where you're going. But yeah. and most people would just draw the map themselves because they knew it had a shape and a square, you know, kind of formation. So yeah. most early players would just build their own maps. So that sounds very oh, similar yeah. to this. Yeah, it does feel very similar to that. And you're always I'm, I'm always leery of veering off the path and going into a place where I don't have the map explored yet. And where I can't see any notable landmarks because it's so easy yeah. to get lost. And then you get lost and then you probably die. Uh, yeah, that happened. That happens uh, more more than a little bit, and I'm always <laughs> afraid of when it becomes nighttime, and uh, I'm always afraid to. Uh, I'm I'm very quick to keep going back to tents and saving my game and taking naps and trying to make sure that I have plenty of medicine, and um, it makes you a very very careful player. Um, also, the, the 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 it's really worth noting that this game was made by two brothers. Um, Whereas, you know, we're, we're familiar with great, huge, big games like this, like Skyrim and Far Cry, which have huge environments but are made by giant teams. This was made by two guys. Not only did they make the entire, all the graphics, all the, the gameplay, all the programming, all the, everything, they also designed the engine. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so it, wow. It's, it's quite an impressive thing from start to finish. Passion project. Yeah, yeah, but then there's also apparently this horror element that I, I, and you know, me, I'm not into horror games. I don't no. <laughs> find that appeal. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I didn't even continue Amnesia, um, but I'm, I'm curious to find out what the horror element is because there's already this strange survival thing going on, um, and you're also, you're also a normal guy. Like going up a hill is physically taxing. Going down a hill, you can slide down it and, and lose your balance and fall on your face. Huh. Um, it has this weird, weirdly realistic feeling like you're actually there. Um, <laughs> Intentionally so, I guess, for immersion oh, yeah, purposes. Yeah, it, completely for those purposes. Um, so yeah, that's Miyazmata, and I'll, I'll be sure to, to share more when I when I uh, get much further in it. Um, and the last game that I'll, I'll touch on real quickly is Knit Underground. Um, and, and this is a game that has very, very little coverage in in the gaming press. I haven't even seen much in the way of reviews on it. I'm surprised, um, actually. Yeah, and it's it's like it's it is in my mind it's it's an indie game. It's indie game royalty. Like uh, Nicholas Nigren and Niflis Niflis Games are known for the Knit series um, and making these really high quality. Um, 2d platformer games that this game actually takes all those mechanics puts it into one pot and tells a story around it and it's absolutely massive like there's there's supposedly like 1800 rooms um <laughs> that is yeah. a lot yeah it's huge are they all interesting <laughs> 
Uh, I wouldn't say all of them are interesting. Some of them are purely progressing. So, so uh, and, and that's the, 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 the most wild thing is that your, your, your progress is very rarely limited because this is kind of a Metroidvania game um, where you, you know, you, you are on a 2d plane and you're trying to get things and trying to get to places and do things. But the, there aren't a lot of blockades like there are in like a, in, in, a, in a Metroid or a Castlevania. Um, it's almost like the whole game is open to you from the beginning, and you can go any which direction, or not not the very beginning, because the the real game starts in the third chapter. Um, it's broken into three chapters. The first two are just to get you familiar with the mechanics of climbing and jumping and turning into a ball, uh, which which is central to the actual game uh, that you turn into a ball and you have can bounce through maps and turn out of a ball at at a moment's notice. Um, but the the fact that you're unhindered and can start in any which direction of the game made me very, very tempted to just write a single sentence review that says it is the Skyrim of Metrovania, Metroidvanias. <laughs> but, descriptive uh, enough. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's descriptive enough of, of, of the exploration element. And I found myself uh, spending like it was about six hours before I. I got to my first real objective. Six hours? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it was like twenty hours for like the whole game. Um, I, I should I should very briefly, since we are on this is the theology gaming podcast, mention that the whole game is built around the subject of of the end times and the idea that these these sprites are living in a world after the collapse of human civilization, and they're anticipating hmm. the end of the their own apocalypse. And they're told that if the world ends, you're told, actually, if the world ends, um, the world will end, rather, if you don't ring the, the, the six bells of fate. And you have so you have to go around and ring the bells, and that's the challenge and, and struggle of the game. And uh, otherwise, the world will end. But the thing is, um, the game is full of, of characters who are both... Uh, theologians or rather uh quote-unquote religious and characters who are um atheists huh. and and mm. in fact you're going around and you have two little fairies that follow you around and one is an atheist and one is a believer <laughs> oh boy yeah um and and i was surprised at how much i took an interest in the atheist fairy's opinions <laughs> um and she was just as curious as as you were on whether or not it was all a bunch of religious hooey um and that was the central theme of the whole game is is there really going to be an apocalypse or is there not um are these religious people just full of crap or is there any reality or depth to it hmm. and and this sounds very interesting yeah it's intriguing yeah, and, and there should be way more people playing this game. Um, it's but nobody on, it, is playing it. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it, no. Um, there, there's a lot of people who want to have the subject of religion in games, and yet a game like this comes across and no one seems to be covering it. Um, we On, on Game Church, uh, Richard Clark did a, a, uh, an interview with, with Nicholas about his own spiritual walk and how it's... Um, it's very, very much about his his struggle with with faith and lack of faith, or more so. I think it's better to articulate the whole game as kind of like uh, a wanting to believe and not really fully arriving there. Yeah, I read that interview, and it seemed to me like he was definitely on the um, 
more, you know, not very religious side. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely not. Um, but he came from a religious background and it was still ah, stuff yeah. that he, it was still stuff that was very much on his heart. Um, but it was kind of like, uh, I remember in, in the questionnaire, it was asked, you know, so would you identify as uh, an agnostic? And he's like, you know, maybe, um, but I don't, I don't, I, 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 it was a little bit more of a complicated answer than that. Um, That's kind of the perfect agnostic answer though. <laughs> yeah, it, it is, isn't it? Yeah. It is, yeah. But uh, as a result, the game is a great platform for the discussion of, um, of eschatology, study of the end times, and um, whether or not, you know, it's for real or for not. Um, and, you know, are you, are you a believer in, you know, oh, that, that actually reminds me. I'm going to quick segue, if that's all right. Into this oh, goodness. Subject. You've taken up quite a bit of time. I'm so sorry. You've introduced about three or four topics we would like to talk about. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so I'll, I'll just, I'll just bridge conclude and get out um so uh prayer um i uh on the subject of eschatology and and all that stuff i played darksiders a little bit and the, i'm not going to get into that game but uh it somehow bridged the conversation with the guy that i was playing it with my uh the guy that i'm mentoring and uh we got to pray together and this is a guy who is just kind of like new to to his walk with jesus and new to uh you know, what is true, what is not true, and um, doesn't necessarily dive full into things, uh, is, is really hesitant um, to some things. But uh, I was just excited for me to uh, to pray and, and to encourage him in his relationship with talking with God and, and, and being involved in, in everything, really, um, and just how God wants to be involved in our lives. I like yeah. how it sounded like it, 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 it was a very natural, comfortable thing, too. Yeah, yeah, just naturally yeah. came up in our conversation. And, and this is a guy that I've been connecting with, and we, we get together every two weeks and play games together, and I try to help him in whatever he wants. And he's studying the same thing that I went to college for. And um, But this was the first time that we really prayed together. And I, I, I really like that. So. Well... <laughs> That was a rather exhaustive uh, <laughs> "What are we playing?" segment. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> you should not that's a bad thing. Out. It's not a bad. Thing. I may. I'm not sure. We'll find out. Okay. Anyway, all right. To the main subject, journey. Um, yeah. I guess I'll go first because I'm gonna guess I'm the only person that didn't like it. Is is that right? I think you are the only one that didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. Okay. So I do not like Journey. I kind of anticipated I wouldn't, but I did give it a chance. So I played it once offline by myself, and I played it a second time online, meeting a bunch of different people that I don't know. Um, I'm not sure what exactly the point of Journey is. Now, I guess the definition of Journey is to travel from one place to another. And in that sense, yes, I guess it is a journey. But then again, every video game is a journey in some sense, yeah. <laughs> either from a mechanical standpoint or a narrative standpoint. Now, um, Genova Chen, right? He always he uses this Augustine quote, right? Which is, um, he says, uh, people will venture out to the height of the mountain to seek for wonder. They will stand and stare at the width of the ocean to be filled with wonder. 
but they will pass one another in the street and feel nothing. Yet every individual is a miracle. How strange that nobody sees the wonder in one another. Now, hearing him say that quote, I said, where does Augustine say this? So, considering I had a copy of the Confessions on hand, <laughs> I decided to go look for it. And what I found was not what he quoted, unfortunately. <laughs> I think he saw it in a uh, New York subway, so that's what I'm going to assume he got it from. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding about that. Uh, but he, Augustine is not at all talking about uh, <laughs> seeing other people. I'm not sure if that's an amalgamation of several quotes, but it seems like um, Augustine is talking about the faculty of mind and of memory and of, you know, how these things create personality. And that, that's what's so wonderful about humans is that they have memory and they have personality. And because of that, they can communicate with each other. So when I was thinking about Journey, I was thinking, okay, so Genova Chen says that game systems make us into bad people. That's why we turn into bad people when we play video games, because many times it's just about, okay, I got to go kill that guy, or I got to kill this thing, or I have to defeat him, or I have to win, right? So he's trying to move beyond the defeat, win, kill paradigm, as he says, yeah. right? But what I found in playing the game is that instead of giving me the freedom to not act like a horrible person online, it was constraining me into acting in a particular way. So instead of allowing me to act like a free individual on the internet with some other guy and being able to communicate with them through voice chat or something else, right? Uh, the game would just say, no, you cannot communicate with this person. You must use these chirps or whatever they are, right? Yeah. Uh, to communicate or figure out how to communicate. Me and the guy who played together the whole game through. Yes, I did the whole game through with one guy. Did you get that achievement? Uh, yeah, I think it did. Companion or something like that? Yeah. 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 I don't have that. It's uh, interesting to play with another person. But, oh. um, but I didn't feel like I could really communicate with that person. And then when you finish the game, right, there's this like odd, very cold way to go, okay, you play with these people, right? And if you choose, you can communicate with them. But like, I didn't get to learn who they were through playing the game in any way. They can't, yeah. they couldn't interact with me in the ways like, for example, World of Warcraft does, right? So everybody in World of Warcraft has a common goal, which is get more loot or, you know, but there's a lot of miniature goals in between that, right? So if you're a member of a guild, you get to talk with other people. There's chat, there's voice chat. You have many ways to communicate and learn about other people and experience real human relationships. But yeah. in Journey, you can't. All you can do is journey with this person and then never see them again. And I don't feel that's very representative of how things go. It's free will and being able to freely act like a good person that makes it, you know, right. Not that I'm constrained in the laws of this video game to act like a good person. And I, I think that's what made Journey really odd and weird for me. Yeah. Yeah. So those are my initial thoughts. So... <laughs> So, um, if I may, um, actually, if, if did either of you guys have anything that you wanted uh, to question Zach on? Because the one thing that I wanted to ask you, Zach, was about the, the non-online playthrough. Because that's more my curiosity, more my personal connection with Journey. Um, so, either one of you guys, I suggest, uh, if you had a lot to add to the, the community part of it, you guys go ahead and then I'll talk about the, the, the single-player stuff later. Uh, Ted, you go first, or...? 
Uh, I don't really have any questions. I'll, I'll probably make you know some comments in a little bit. And Yen? Um, not not sure if I agree with you there, Zach. I no, I understand what you're saying. Um, but I think, for example, if the game gives you more freedom, if the game has voice chat, I think people will end up saying really nasty stuff to each other. And I think the game is designed, the constraints are designed in such a way where where he will curb that kind of behavior. I know you're talking about, hence, you know, your free will is curbed. Uh, yeah, in a sense, that's true. Um, but I think those were the design parameters he was thinking about. And it's not true that you are forced to help each other. You can just ignore your buddy and do your own thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I agree yeah. with that, right? But I was trying yeah. to play in the way that the game wanted me to play, which is with other people and trying to act, you know, like a good person, right? I'm trying to help them out. They're trying to help me out. But it there was nothing fulfilling about that experience. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, I, I would say that when it comes to playing with other people, I think it was more the fact that when I did come across them, that there was like a... It wasn't that there was anything that deep or personal, but to me, the whole game is about being on a pilgrimage. Um, and and to me, in my... I'm, I'm a very... This is something that, that my wife criticizes about a lot, is that I default to kind of a individual mindset and, and to kind of think at like a single player, um, which isn't healthy and isn't, you know, ultimately a good thing. Um, but when it comes to being on a pilgrimage and being on a journey, there is a, a personal element to that. Um, so when I see other people coming into it, I respected the fact that they were there. I didn't necessarily see them as being my partner. I didn't see it as a cooperative experience. I saw it more like, oh, hey, they're on this, this pilgrimage too. Because hmm. I intentionally did it. I, I wouldn't have done it otherwise, right? I wouldn't right. have played with that other person, but I was like, oh, well, Mr. Chen wants me to play this way, so... <laughs> yeah, so I, I think you I'd probably shouldn't have, you shouldn't have read him before playing. You just played it. Oh, no, I did. I played it the first time without reading it. It just... Once I but got but, that information, but, I knew how yeah, it you, worked. The first time was single player, right? You didn't play co-op. No. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the point. Ah... I messed it up. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I'm, I'm really interested in what Josh is saying. I think uh, that's kind of the exact opposite of my, my, my sense of the game. I thought the sense of the game was precisely the fact that my takeaway is that the pilgrimage is not something you do alone. Pilgrimage is something which you do with others. And that's something which I wrote. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, and, and honestly, that, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm really excited about you being here, especially considering you come from, quite frankly, a completely different side of the earth. Um, and, and that an Eastern, being from an Eastern culture, there, there, in my understanding, is that there's a much stronger um, emphasis on community and, and uh, cooperation and, and life and doing things with one another. And one of our faults as Americans is that we're very... Uh, especially as Northeast Coasters, um, <laughs> is that we tend to be very uh, individualistic, very like, this is my, my career is my life. And, you know, I need to mm. go, to work, I come home, I do what I want. And then I can, I repeat the cycle. Um, whereas sure. there's kind of from every other culture in the world, uh, that's, that's a, a gross generalization, but you know, like an Eastern, Eastern, Middle Eastern, um, everything is about community and family. So, um, maybe not so much in Singapore. <laughs> no, not 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 for Singapore at all. Singapore, we are highly capitalistic. We are more 
uh, much more cosmopolitan than 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 the any and other Asian countries. My sense of community came through strongest actually when when in a church. Um, when, uh, yeah, when I learned from folks like uh, I think particularly church community, I learned from Mark Dever. Uh, have you heard of him? Uh, Nine Marks. Have you heard of that 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 group? Nine Marks. I'm not yeah, familiar. Nine Marks. Uh, Cap- I think it's Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Yeah, they, 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 they run a, a series of um, seminars on building healthy churches, and they really emphasize things like the importance of church membership, what is church yeah. membership responsibilities, and a sense of community, and a sense of um, what is the local church supposed to do for each other, with each other. I think that really broadened my perspective of, hey, we are not meant to lead individual lives. Here on earth, we're meant to, to be you know, pilgriming together. As, hmm. as, as a body of Christ. Yeah. I think that is where I really got that understanding that, from. That is, a, that is a really, really, I mean, especially from a theological and, you know, from our, from our relationship with Jesus and who we are as Christians is defined by being in community and doing things with one another. I have an apostolic overseer in my church who is constantly like, you know, do everything with somebody else. Um, mm. and, and the reason why he emphasizes that, and the, or the reason why I, that stood out in my mind is because that's the opposite of, of how my flesh naturally operates. Right. Uh, you know, in the area of communication, one element of the game that I thought was uh, commendable was how it communicated its story completely without language, only through symbols on the, on the walls. So anybody in the world could probably play that game and, and have some level of understanding of it. And, and also the music. <laughs> I think yeah. that the, a lot of uh, like listening to Austin Wintory's album again today, I realized like so much of the experience is told through the music. But at least that's my my perspective. Like I could be reaching a little bit there. <laughs> I don't know. Although it just do... feels empty. That's it's just very. <laughs> there's just an emptiness to this whole game, and I don't know what it is that I don't get about it. I mean, I played mm. it a bunch of times and. My mom was looking at me play that and she's like, what is going on? Why is this fun? <laughs> and I go, well, everybody else seems to like it. So maybe I will like it. And I just couldn't find it. Like, I mean, the music kind of gives you this sense that something exciting is happening, but it's not really because all I'm doing is pressing forward on a controller and there's no threat of death, and this journey is relatively easy, and I don't feel that's representative of life at all. I mean, <laughs> so as as a pilgrimage even, right? If you think of a pilgrimage, a pilgrimage does require some kind of self-sacrifice. But yeah. in journey, I just kind of pop into the game, and I take an hour and a half of my time, and oh, done. You know, I've reached spiritual enlightenment or something to that effect. And it just doesn't really resonate with me. I, w- I would disagree. I mean, like there are, there is, there is a, a pushing. There is, there is the, the 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 sense. I mean, a lot of it is illusory. A lot of it is an illusion. But there is, like, you know, when you're towards the end of the game and you're fighting against the snow, and then there's this sort of like death, and like only after you've completely, essentially given up, are you given a new, a new, a new chance and an opportunity to come back to life, and your scarf comes back to life, and all. Yeah, but it's not a. It's a scripted death, right? Or That's... or whatever it is, right? But yeah. it's it's not like I died. I would have kept pressing forward on the controller if the game would let me <laughs> and get up to the top of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Zach is uh, Zach is so used to to getting his experiences through the mechanics of the game 
that I think he sets a certain kind of expectations on what the mechanics needs to deliver to him. Mm. I think that's not being delivered. Uh, whereas I think what Genova Chen is trying to do is, is the experience of the game, less so the mechanics. Um, I no, think I, maybe, Zachary, if you let go of the word game on this one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interactive entertainment. It's yeah. it's uh it is designed almost as a as a as a thought or an experience more yeah. than uh, even though there's a goal in the game, it's it's not um your typical game goal. Yeah, and I'm okay with that, but yeah. I, I don't want it to be called a video game when it doesn't even fall in line with those similar yeah. characteristics. That's, but what do you what do you do with it? What <laughs> it's not a movie, it's not yeah. a TV show, it's it's I mean, an interactive yeah, don't don't play Asura's Wrath. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the whole the whole problem with with our language is the fact that we've got these terms that that are less and less meaning what they are. Like, if I could call video games interactive entertainment and or or uh, what's the the quantum dreams uh, interactive drama? That's the term that they use a lot for games like uh, Heavy Rain and stuff like Heavy that. Heavy Rain, yeah, yeah, David um, Cage. Oh yeah, David Cage and his whole his whole team um I, and and there's that and I, I agree that that's his games don't fall into the, the category in the traditional sense of game and a lot of the problem is the fact that the, even the word game um is implied that two people are going to be playing i mean if you go to the traditional definition of the word um i don't think like with the exception of like solitaire there aren't many single player interactive "Quote unquote games before single player video games." Um, I suppose that's true, but um, it's just that in terms of a game, a game is structured play. So in terms of let's say Journey does fit the definition of a game, but a video game kind of adopted a very specific set of definitions which the phrase is not really encompassing now with all these different genre types in indies and whatever. So the word is becoming meaningless, and that's what I'm worried about. (laughs) Well, I'm not worried about it. I'm just hoping that maybe we can find something better that's more useful. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost a dissertation. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's, It's somebody trying to express some sort of thought through programming. Yeah. I know that sounds kind of floaty and out there, but it it really is something unique. I'm kind of glad that uh, that a lot of people have talked about it and, and played it. About Journey in, in particular? Yes, in particular. Yeah. I, I honestly haven't played the other two that were before that. Yeah, Flower and, and uh, Flow. Oh, yeah. I played a so little I, Flow. It was okay. <laughs> I still yeah, I, the controls of it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what those are like, but I've heard they're kind of just uh, – there's no real point to those. <laughs> yeah. I, I, can, I can understand that and appreciate that. I also, it's also, they're also very, very high in my, in my list of I, – I would put Journey and all of that game company's games pretty much at the top of my catalog as in terms of like my personal preference. Um, mm. But actually, could you, could you explain a little bit more about what your experience was like with the game? Uh, mine? Yeah. Yeah, we would like to know. Yeah. That. Well, I uh, do have a bit of an analogy from reading some Plato this week for school. <laughs> but, um, you know, Plato went from the top down with 
his worldview. And this game did fit in with some of that. I found some parallels. Uh, Plato talked about there being a, a, a source or the intelligible world. And to me, the, the light on the mountain sort of represents that. that that's the, uh, what he would call probably the real world, the reality. Whereas where your character is, is in what he would call the sensible world. That's the world of the senses, where there's the desert, the heat, there's the snow, the cold, the wind. Uh, but in Plato's thinking, he also includes something called forms. And forms are essentially the connection or the link from that source world, the intelligible world, to the sensible world. And I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. Where are the forms in this journey if this is uh, like Plato? And I thought the fabric, the scarf, yeah. the tapestry, that is the intermediate connection from the other world and the world that he is currently in. And that scarf is what enables him and pushes him forward constantly toward the source. It's always lifting him, always guiding him, always yeah. trying to get him toward that uh, ultimate source. And uh, I don't know if that's accurate or what they were thinking about, but it is, I think there are some truths to those connections. Yeah, that's a good point. I was considering the same things as I was playing through. I mean, like, I, I think, I don't know if I shared this with you guys yet. I'm sure I did at some point, but I saw all the creatures as like heavenly creatures um, uh, that, that you hear described in like in the Bible and stuff like that, especially revelations about, um, how they kind of line heaven as you have these, these angels and these weird beast creatures that you see in revelations, but they're all kind of supporting the beckoning and the desiring of, of, of the ushering of the kingdom of God into, into existence. And in, in journey, they're kind of like ushering and, and drawing you towards the source, towards the mountain, towards the light. Um, I, I, I completely agree with you. I enjoyed... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that the reincarnation bit at the end, that was a bit... Yeah. Well, yeah. Not, yeah. No. Yeah, I'm I don't like that part. That. In the know. game, I, I got to heaven, you know, the heaven part where you're sort of climbing the waterfalls and floating yeah. and all that stuff. I was like, that's where I wanted to stay. I was like, I made yeah. it! Yahoo! And all of a sudden, <laughs> wait a second! Yeah. Oh, no, you must redo it again, see? Yeah, bummer. Yeah. Hey, one thing I was wondering is as you play the game, sometimes you look at the mountain and you see a, a star shooting from it. Which, Those are you know, people finishing it, I believe. They are actual real people. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's like always that. that's always happening, I believe. There's always a star hmm. coming down. Depends on how many people are playing it at any one time. Right. I did see it one time. I noticed it. I was like, hmm. I wonder if I played it again if I would see it at that exact, exact spot, like in a cutscene. Or if it's truly a unique programming element. Huh. Hmm. Well, look for that if you play it again. <laughs> yeah. Which I will uh. not be. <laughs> so, I have one question for you guys. Like, what did you guys think when you get to the temple? Like, for me, that was like kind of like an aha moment. But before I share like what that was like for me, I want to hear what it was like for you. When you get into the temple and you start, you go up to the, uh, for lack of a better word, the shrine where you... Uh, speak a word of light i everyone be everyone else has chirp but i think of it as you speaking a word of light you expressing light into the world and then the whole chamber becomes filled with uh this glowing gold dust and the music gets intense and you 
are actively regenerated and alive and everything comes alive all in that cloud. What did you guys think of that? Uh, <laughs> well, I think you already know what I think of it. <laughs> so I'm just going to let everybody else speak. Is that at the end? Was there a temple? No, I didn't know. It's, it's right in the middle. Like, um, right after you're in the uh, under, underground area where the you first see the giant serpent-like block monsters swirling right. and find you. Um, short lights, that, yeah. You're you're lifted and in, into a uh, into what's what's referred to as the temple area of the game, and hmm. and there's this cloud of of gold glowing dust that forms around you as you speak words of light at the at the altars. Kind of slipped by me, man. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. How about you, Yen? Did you did you remember that part? It's, it's, is that a part where you keep on floating higher and higher? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I thought there, there was some swimming kind of thing going on. Yeah, right. and then all of a sudden there's a there's a, a whale that comes around, or, or one of the cloth whales that fills the room, and you can ride on him. And yeah, I guess I guess maybe it was just yeah. me. <laughs> no, I, to me the most impactful one was the scene just before that when when you were running away from the monsters. Oh. And then you you went to this column of light where the monsters cannot penetrate. Ah. Yeah, I, I thought that one was was very moving for me. Yeah, that same here. Yeah, that was like where I felt like I was suddenly like in in a purely Christological perspective. That was where like I felt like the presence of God, where I was within like the the protection of His arms and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and that's, and that's kind of where I went with once you get into the temple. Like for me, I'm I'm uh you know I'm a raging charismat charismaniac. Oh, maybe not maniac. I hope I don't go that far. Um, but uh, for me, you know, in in my I'm sorry, what? Maybe. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, but no, like when when I for me, like worship is is meant to be this this experience where your 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 whole spirit, your whole heart, your whole mind are fully engaged with the Lord. Um and I'm constantly trying to to reposture myself in that. Um whenever, you know, we're singing, you know, whatever worship song it is. Um and sometimes I've I've noticed in in, in my spirit sensed this strange gold glowing thing and i didn't understand what it was and i remember going and asking the the more experienced christians and asking them like what's all this stuff and what i don't I, have you ever seen or, or spiritually sensed these sorts of things before and they're like oh that's the presence of god that's the shekinah glory <laughs> and i'm like i think i think you might be crazy but i like it um and that part <laughs> it's crazy good yeah and so when I was in that part in the game, and I was I actually uh, played the whole game solo, and that part I was playing it just me, um, but I was sitting and experiencing it in community with with uh, my my close buddy Vince, who's also one of the elders and, and worship leaders in my church, and he was and he was also transfixed, and he's like, I don't know I don't know what this is, but it's awesome, and it it just reminded me of this the presence of god and the 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 filling and and uh, the filling of the holy spirit the drawing of all of god's clear intentions and everything that was within the cloud came alive um and when you when you hear about it in the scriptures you hear about this cloud that filled the temple and you hear about this um the cloud came down and they talk about the cloud in in uh acts 2 when uh pentecost happened and Hmm. You know, as much as I like this description, right? Yes. Yeah. It journey only exists as kind of a vague experience, so that you can insert yourself into it. And that's so. And that, that's yeah, true. it's part of the point, right? That it's yeah. vague enough 
that people from any religion or any worldview can kind of insert themselves into it and go, oh, this is that, this is this, right? Because um, it's based off Joseph Campbell's monomyth of the great hero who uh, has to perform a task and then get up there, get the special object knowledge, whatever, MacGuffin, right? Yeah. And then yeah. bring it back to his people. So in that sense, it kind of fulfills that archetype. So That's you can true. see what you want in the game. Yeah. True. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely a door opener for some discussion with somebody. So, I, you know, I, I can see that. Uh, I'm going to go for maybe uh, finding things that are more in common that you could talk with somebody about yeah. instead of maybe finding all the, the differences. You know, clearly the game isn't um, any more than, well, it's designed to be entertainment, first of all. And it's really just a man's guess on spirituality. And, of course, you know, Christianity isn't based on a guess. It's based on, you know, a unique and special revelation. Yeah, that's why I didn't like it, right? It's that the whole reincarnation thing at the end, it feels like it's just an empty expression of a vague pseudo-Buddhist philosophy that we must continue on this journey again and again and again and again because to really reach true enlightenment, we have to avoid desire and avoid emotions and get ourselves to go through this journey as many times as it takes and to help as many people as we can to understand that, you know, the origin of suffering comes through desire. And, you know, the journey is really representative of that continual journey we'll have to take so that we can reach enlightenment. It, does that make sense? <laughs> I understand. Yeah, I understand that perspective, and I I, I definitely validate it and, and uh, agree that it it's one of those things for me. I I I know that I do this. I stretch things. So I'll, I'll, I see like what someone else in another religion, in another culture, a Sufi or whomever, expresses this reality of 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 uh, unity and supernatural good and the universe, etc. Um, and I kind of assert and say, well, that's <laughs> that's Jesus. <laughs> um, I, I, I know what you're talking about and I know who he is he's awesome um, and Holy Spirit like that's that's the Holy Spirit like and and sometimes that the expressing and, and and revealing the Holy Spirit is the kind of bigger thing but uh, it's definitely for me a little bit bigger of a, of a reach knowing that they're very overtly going for a rebirth theme whereas I would kind of repurpose it in my imagination and say that it's it's new birth, <laughs> um, to use a more a more New Testament term. <laughs> yeah, can I weigh in? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I I think I I understand what both sides are saying. I I agree with uh with Zach and Ted that you no, know, this isn't a depiction of the gospel of Christ in any real way or any explicit way. But I also wanna I agree with Josh that um, you no, know, if you are a Christian. And if you understand what it is to be united with Christ, and when you experience something which is a depiction of glory, and something your soul is uplifted, I think it is not incorrect to say that 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 your soul is resonating with. And here I'm 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 betraying my John Piper influence here, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's not it's not incorrect to say that yeah, that points you towards future glory, that points you towards Christ, the ultimate reality. Yeah. And I don't think we need to be apologetic about it because, like, oh, Buddhists have their own interpretation, Hindus have their own interpretation. Yeah, but that's the ultimate reality. That's Christ. That's the glory that is to come. And even if, for example, Genova Chen doesn't have that intention when making the game, doesn't make the ultimate reality 
any less real for the Christian which is experiencing the game. And I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, you guys understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Zachary, I uh, I did uh, if there's I, I did write a little song about this game that I'm oh, yeah. eager to share. I I forward to this for like the last hour. <laughs> right. right, hour and a half. Now my wife has probably gone to bed, so I'm going to get in trouble for doing this. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to hit the uh, the play button on the sequencer and play uh, a song called, well, it's called "Don't Stop Believing," originally written by a group called Journey. Ah, uh, yes. Here we go. Whoop. Just a little man Wandering in a desert land He has no arms But he wears a scarf blowing everywhere Sliding round in sandy ruins With only pictures there to guide him He hears a sound he looks around and travels on and on and on and on. Strangers helping up and down the tapestries, their shadows searching in the night, chiming, calling. In a game made for emotion, climbing to the greater height. So don't stop believing, you're gonna reach the light on the mountain, keep on Reaching for the sky. Don't stop. You there can't you see go. this, but I have my hands oh, up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody have a lighter going? <laughs> no, I didn't want to burn my house down. I'm reaching for the sky, baby. <laughs> you know, nowadays they have lighter apps for your phone. Oh yeah, yeah that was awesome. pretty much the best thing that I've I've heard all week. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. That was excellent. You're welcome. Yeah, you have a great singing voice. You're thank really... you. Yeah, it's good. That's good stuff. Ah, all right. <laughs> Does anyone else have anything important to say? <laughs> uh, I could probably talk about this game for a long time, so I'm just gonna stop now. <laughs> <laughs> Find him, I say. Yeah. Stop. I'm gonna stop believing. Just for a little bit. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that about wraps it up. We have definitely gone over time. So, <laughs> unfortunately, we didn't make it to our last topic, but we'll get to it next time, I think. Can I get a preview? What was the last topic? We were going to talk about our blogging experiences and oh. how that uh, how we came about doing these kind of writing things. But I think we actually got partly to that in the beginning. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I remember you, I remember you bringing that up now yeah. before we were before, but uh. So let's let's call it a short preview of yeah, next week. That's cool. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, or next time I should say. All next right. Time. Well, thank you to my guests, Ted, Josh, Yen. Thank you very much for joining me tonight. 
Pleasure. Oh, thank you. Yes. And uh, thank you for listening because this is really, really bizarre. <laughs> 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 All right. That is the Theology Gaming Podcast. See well, you next time. Bye, kids. Out. <laughs>